Welcome to History of the Sports Bra. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of History of the Sports Bra, your favorite podcast, we hope, that details the history of women's sports. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Sophie Segretti, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Julia Hostetter. What is up, party people? Before we dive into today's topic, which is women in sports media, we're going to chat a little bit about what is going on in women's sports news, because there has been a lot going on recently, even with the pandemic. So my favorite little bit of women's sports news is that Natalie Portman is leading the charge to bring a NWSL, so the National Women's Soccer League team, to LA. They don't have a true name yet. I think right now they're calling it WFC, not WFC, WFC LA or Angel City. I don't know what WFC is. They should make that their name. WFC. I like that. That's how excited I am about this team. So, okay. So they have a majority women investor ownership group studded with some of my personal heroes. We have Serena Williams, her husband, Alexis Ohanian, and her daughter, Olympia. Youngest, youngest owner in sports now. Four years old. Then we have Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Abby Wambach. You've heard about these ladies in previous episodes because they are some of the best U.S. national women's soccer team members that we've ever had. America Ferreira, a.k.a. Sisterhood of the Traveling, Traveling Pants. Pants. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Garner, you know, what do we not know her from? Eva Longoria, Lily Singh, she's the only person I don't know. I think she's a YouTuber. Mm. But like, this is everything to me. So not only is it a majority women investor ownership, but this is going to be the 11th team in the NWSL when it joins in 2022. And Julia and I were just talking about this before we started recording, but they are doing everything right and everything the way that modern women's sports should be run. Alexis Ohanian wrote an article for Medium in which he talked about how they had zero marketing spend, but by using social media, they got a ton of publicity for free. And we were also talking about how this cohort ownership is so much better, we think, than the single tyrannical, you were saying, Julia, yeah, tyrannical. ownership. At Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. But yeah, I just think that a group of women, it's incredible. It's like women empowering women, you know? Yeah, I was going to say the other thing that's like a little bit timely is you can't fire an owner, really, you know? Right. It's like a board of directors. And with mm-hmm. Washington, the Washington football team, yes. Dan Snyder and his whole thing, yes. it's like nobody can remove him from his position, even though he's done plenty of things wrong so over the years. Things. So, yeah, yeah. And as somebody who's like from the DC area, it is just, it's crazy that you can't oust somebody like that. Yeah, or even really hold them accountable, it seems like. Yeah, totally. And that's why not only is this amazing because we have a bunch of bomb ass women 
in charge and helping out. But also, I imagine that they will all hold each other accountable and that, you know, like it'll introduce a level of oversight that some of these other owners don't have. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah, I'm psyched. I They are selling like Angel City masks and I almost bought one. Um, but I've literally no yeah, ties. Yeah, definitely LA, go check them out on Instagram. Yeah, check them out on Instagram. Angel City. I think it's We Are Angel yeah. City, right? Yeah, their their Instagram is fire. Like, honestly, I love their stories. They promote, like, all of the teams in LA, which is really cool. Um, even though they're not going to be, like, an actual team until 2022, they have a strong Instagram presence. Yeah, so that that is my happy women's sports news for the week. And honestly, this will probably carry me through the entire year. Yeah, and 2021 yeah. too, right? Since they're not coming until 2022, we can just go ahead and we can forfeit 2021 <laughs> while we're at it. Sacrifice um, it to the gods, and maybe they'll have mercy on us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need we need something special to cook for the United States right now. Yeah. <laughs> My little news in women's sports this week is that the uh, WNBA is back. So mm-hmm. they created a bubble down in Florida, kind of similar to the NBA. Unlike the MLB, which I give only a couple more weeks yeah. to survive. But yeah, whoops. They're going to have like a 22 game regular season followed by an expanded postseason format. I think their games will be shown on ESPN, nice. which is nice. One person, like my player to watch for whatever, would be the number one pick of the New York Liberty this past mm. year. Her name's Sabrina Ionescu. She went to Oregon, absolutely balled out. I think she has the most career triple doubles in NCAA and then also the most points rebounds and assists I'm like pretty don't like quote me but I'm pretty sure so she's an absolute baller Mm -hmm. yeah and the WNBA is cool too because they've always kind of been on the forefront of social Mm -hmm. justice issues and they've always found that important I think to uplift everybody Mm -hmm. And so you can also check out their press conferences before game, pregame, mm-hmm. after game to see what they have to say about kind of all of the things that are going on right now in this country and kind of the term, the reckoning that we're trying to have, which is great. Yeah. I think it's great for the sport. I think it brings good coverage. So I totally agree. Started out with some good news. Now we're going to dive into the past and get into today's topic. Today, we're going to chat about the history of women in sports media. Female journalists and media personnel faced crazy levels of sexism, both from their like peers and from players. And even today, I feel like female journalists still get harassed and sometimes are not taken seriously because of their gender. And so we wanted to come out here and honor some of the trailblazing women who have made their name in this industry when it was far more hostile than it is now. There were some structural barriers that prevented women from really getting into sports media. And the original structural barrier, aside from, you know, systemic sexism and blah, 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 was that a lot of women were not allowed to enter the locker rooms and their male counterparts would get these post-game interviews in the locker rooms with players and teams that women weren't allowed to. And so our story kind of starts with this court case, 
which was Melissa Ludke and Time versus Bowie Kuhn, who was the commissioner of baseball in 1978. Melissa was a reporter for Sports Illustrated, and she was barred from entering the locker room. I think it was the Yankees locker room by the MLB commissioner. And so she took the commissioner to court, arguing that her 14th Amendment rights had been violated, and the court ruled in favor of Melissa. And so this opened the door for female sports journalists everywhere to have the same access to the players as their male counterparts did. Prior to this ruling, many professional teams actually had rules prohibiting female reporters in the locker rooms. And so this just brought that barrier down. And I think they were making the point that there were many things the teams could do to protect player privacy. There were other ways that they could do it aside from just barring women from entering. It just, it seems like they're just kind of lazy in a sense. And instead of working around an issue of, oh, like, let's just ban all females from entering the locker room, like at all times, yes. you know, because you can't interview a player. It makes sense. They're probably not going to hire yeah. you. So you're not going to get the good scoops. Exactly. They ask the good questions. Locker rooms seem so cool. Like I would just want to go in there to be able to see them. They're tricked out. Those locker rooms, they got all the um, what buttons and whistles, oh, that what you said? I think it's they got bells all the and buttons whistles, and whistles yeah, in those they got locker rooms. All so. the bells and whistles. Me and my idioms, man. <laughs> close, but no cigar. Got that one. <laughs> the cheap version of that is close, but no cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the, like, backwater version. Um <laughs> but I think for our for a little up today, Julia and I are gonna go through some of these trailblazing ladies, kind of give a little bit of a background about each of them. And of course, they could all have their own episodes. So we'll throw some stuff up on the website if you want to learn more about them. We'll just dive right in with Phyllis George. So I would say that Phyllis George might be one of the earliest women in sports journalism and media to kind of quote unquote make it. So she joined CBS as a sportscaster in 1974 and in 1975 joined the cast of NFL Today and became one of the first women to have a prominent role in TV sports coverage. She similarly was one of the first women to have an on-air position in a national televised sports broadcasting And then she served as the first lady of Kentucky from 1979 to 1983. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know. Was she like the governor's wife? Maybe. I would assume governor's wife. I think it is governor's wife. Oh, it is. It is governor's wife. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so she... After, you know, becoming one of the first women to really have a television presence in sports, she became the first lady of Kentucky. And we are really grateful for her breaking down that TV women barrier. So Jane Kennedy followed up Phyllis George on NFL Today in 1978, and she was also the first Black female to host a network sports TV broadcast, which is really cool. Again, kind of trailblazing the way for all women to present their sports mm-hmm. knowledge and, and host a show Mm -hmm. about sport, especially about football, which is really cool. Yeah. Then lady number three in our list of the ladies of sports media, we have Leslie Visser. And so she was a sports writer for the Globe. And it's funny because I keep wanting to say like, oh, hometown hero, because Julia and I both used to live in Boston, but Julia has since moved. (laughs) 
and I'm quarantining with my parents like a scared millennial. So <laughs> I guess I can't really say that she's a, a hometown hero. So she came into prominence when she joined CBS in 1984 as a part-time reporter. And she has been voted the number one female sportscaster of all time. Uh, Leslie was honored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the 2006 recipient of the Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award. And not only that, back to our hometown history that's not actually our hometown, Leslie is married to a longtime national sportscaster, Dick Stockton, and the two met at a World Series game between the Red Sox and the Reds. Like, what a... That's really cute. cute little story of sportscaster love. The next lady on the list is Gail Gardner. So she began working for ESPN in 1983 as a sports center anchor. And she was also one of the first women to regularly anchor a nightly network sports broadcast. For reference, ESPN started, I think, in 1979. Oh, wow. So four years after the fact, they hired her. She then moved to NBC, where she co-hosted NFL Live alongside Bob Costas, very mm-hmm. famous broadcaster. I think he has since retired, and then Ahmad Rashad. And in 1993, she became the first woman to ever broadcast play-by-play of a baseball game, so actually calling the action between the Reds and the Rockies, which is still like very yeah. rare. It's rare to have women do mm-hmm. play-by-play. They oftentimes are sideline reporters or what have yep. you. Um, so that's super cool. I think this past year, or maybe it was two years ago, did Amazon stream Monday Night Football yes. and have women play by play? Yeah. So Amazon did that. Amazon did that. I think. It, yeah. It was, I think it was Thursday okay. night. It doesn't really matter. But I think yeah. it was Thursday Night Football, and they also. I know that Mina Kimes was hired for the Los Angeles Rams to do play by play for their preseason game. So it's kind of again pushing yeah. towards that where their voices will become heard. Mm-hmm throughout the football or throughout the game instead of just like, and now to you, yeah, you yeah. know, on the mm-hmm. sideline. Yeah. That seems to be like kind of the final frontier is really crossing over into that play by play space. Yeah. I, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So then we got Mary Carrillo. And so Mary was a former women's professional tennis player and she began working for the USA network as an analyst for major professional tennis tournaments And she is largely considered to be the sports top analyst, I think, still today. Yes. Yeah, you hop in here because you're the the tennis gal. Yeah, shout out to my mom because that's all she watches. (laughs) She watches tennis 24-7. But yeah, so she she definitely paved the way. Tennis now has its own Mm -hmm. network, like the Tennis Channel. And they, I mean, it must be 50-50 between men and women who they have um, either doing like kind of the play-by-play for tennis Mm -hmm. or what have you but and it's really cool too because now tennis players are kind of finding an avenue for a career post retirement yeah. so once you come of age where you don't want to play tennis anymore like one example even which was kind of like a short stint but bethany max sands tore her acl i think two years ago mm-hmm. at wimbledon she was out for a year and a half maybe and during that time she was able to commentate commentate and she excelled at it so that's really cool yeah because um, i feel like you know a lot of sportscasters are former players. Yes. Makes total sense. Yeah, because you, you've played it. You understand mm-hmm. it. Um, you know the players. Yeah. So you have contacts within the sport, which is really mm-hmm. huge when it, when it comes to breaking news. So tennis, too. I, I, I feel like I could be biased because I love tennis so much. Tennis has really bridged kind of the gap between men mm-hmm. and women. 
um, which we'll talk about probably in a tennis oh, episode yeah. coming up. But uh, it's it's nice that that has also carried over into the media mm-hmm. and journalistic side mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I agree. I feel like tennis, they do have parity between pay between the female and male winners. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's usually, I know for the majors, at least in tennis, yeah. it's all the same. So, um, so that's what we like. That's what we like to see here. So the next woman, we got another Gail. I'm going to butcher her last name probably, but I'm going to guess Gail, I, would you I say Sirens, Sirens or Sirens? I'm going to go with Sirens. It sounds okay, better. so deadass Gail Sirens. All right, so she became the first woman to do play-by-play for an NFL football game in 1987 when she called a game between the Seahawks and the Chiefs. So again, kind of the mm-hmm. same thing where it might be a one-off, yeah. but it's not consistent. Yeah. She started her career in 1977 as a weekend sports anchor in Florida, and she quickly became the first female sportscaster in the Tampa Bay area, and she was recognized as one of Florida's best sports reporters. I mean, Florida has so many teams, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. It's cool to be able to cover so many yeah. Yeah. different, especially even just in Tampa Bay. It was funny, as I was doing some research, they kept saying that she was like the first sportscaster in the Bay area, and I was like... The Bay Area. San Francisco. No, the Tampa Bay Area. And I was like, Tampa. Guys, come on. Like, I know. The bargain I brand. Know Tampa is a city, a big city, but you, but Bay Area is not Tampa Bay. But yeah, Tampa seems to really love this lady. In January 2007, um, January 10th, 2007, excuse me, was designated as Gail Sirens Day. Yeah, our next lady is not from the Tampa Bay Area. But (laughs) Robin Roberts began her career as a TV sports journalist in 1983, and she then began working as an anchor for ESPN Sports Center in 1990 and became known with her signature catchphrase, go on with your bad self, which I need to bring it back. I am trying to decide if it would be appropriate for me to use that at work, and I think yes. I would say yes. It's, It's That's a gem of the 90s, I feel like. Go on with your bad self. You should bring that back. And so she left ESPN to become a co-host of Good Morning America. So I'm sure you all still know her face. And and she earned three Emmys for her time at ESPN, which is pretty dang cool. Any Emmys are impressive. Between three, like one Emmy is impressive, but three, three. Emmys is pretty, especially as a woman on ESPN, mm-hmm. to be singled out and kind of supported mm-hmm. in that nature yeah. is really yeah. unique. Yeah, she was a rock star. The next lady is Hannah Storm. So Hannah, I know Hannah Storm, Robin Roberts too, but Hannah Storm is still really, Mm -hmm. really prevalent, I guess, in sports media today. But she was hired by NBC to report on the Olympics, the NBA, the WNBA, and the NFL. She became the first woman in American TV history to act as a solo host of a national show. So she did the pregame coverage of MLB games from 1994 to 2000. Wow. She went on to become the first play-by-play announcer for the WNBA when it was founded in 1997. A-A. And she's currently a co-host for SportsCenter Weekday. So her list, I mean, her resume yeah. just goes on and on and on. And she's done, she's done all mm-hmm. the sports. Yeah, next up, again, another woman who is still... Legend. Le- absolute legend. Still... Absolute legend. Know, 
kicking ass and taking names in sports media. And that's Doris Burke. We all know Doris. Drake wore that shirt of Woman Crush Wednesday. That shirt was pretty epic, though. It was epic. Drake went to some (laughs) NBA game and wore a shirt that said Woman Crush Wednesday with Doris Burke's picture on it. I think that's what it said. It was everything. It was so (sighs) cute, if anything. I kind of want one. You know what I'm saying? Like, who does Drake adore? (sighs) And it's Doris freaking Burke, folks. (laughs) Oh, man. Warms my heart. So Doris was a former basketball player, and she currently works as a sideline reporter and analyst for ESPN's college basketball. She was the first woman to be an analyst for NBA games when she covered the New York Knicks. And she also was the first woman to work as an analyst for regular coverage of college basketball. In October of 2006, she was inducted into the New England Basketball Hall of Fame. Just an absolute legend. The next woman is Lisa Guerrero, and she was a former Los Angeles Ram cheerleader who began as a sports anchor on Los Angeles KCBS station in 1997. In 1999, she was hired by Fox Network and moved on to co-host the best damn short sports show, period, hosted alongside Tom Arnold and Michael Irvin. And Michael Irvin is, he is so freaking funny, so I can only imagine that show was probably a hit back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it certainly has like a very funny, catchy name. I would have watched. Yeah, the best damn sports show, (laughs) period. I like that. Yeah, maybe I'll try to find some reruns. Watching old sports is one thing. Watching old sports shows about old sports <laughs> is like an, another inception level of craziness. But Yes, I was about to say inception. <laughs> Moving right along, we got Bonnie Bernstein. So she is one of the most recognizable and highly respected sports journalists. Journalist in sports, full stop. She has been named one of the most accomplished female sportscasters in history. So she started her career in 1995 in Chicago, and she joined CBS Sports in 98 as a sideline reporter for the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship and a feature reporter for the NFL Today. Wow, NFL Today, given a lot of ladies their start. So she then became a sideline reporter for the NFL on CBS. She has covered Super Bowls, and I hate this about Super Bowls and their Roman numerals because I can't read them quickly. 37? 37, right? During 37, she became the first correspondent ever to cover the game for both television and radio. And in 2006, she hosted a bunch of ESPN's high-profile shows, like NFL Live, Outside the Lines, First Take, and College Football Live. And she's the only female to fill in as host for the award-winning radio and TV show, The Dan Patrick Show. She garnered so much admiration from her peers that Dick Einberg came to refer to her as B-squared for Bonnie Bernstein, which I thought was a pretty cool name, B-squared. I feel like you have to reach a certain status to get your mm-hmm. own nickname for, for all that you do. So Beth Moens is our next woman in sports media. She's a play-by-play announcer and sports journalist for ESPN and CBS. Her career began in 1991 as a news and sports director for a radio station in New York. 
she joined ESPN in 1994 and covered college sports, becoming the network's lead voice on softball coverage, including the Women's College World Series, which has just exploded too. So to be doing that in 1994, it's cool. It's kind of like you're you're a founding mother, I guess, <laughs> yes. of all of the Women's College World Series, which is a fun mm-hmm. fun event that's played. She became the second woman to call a nationally televised college football game for ESPN in 2005. In 2015, she became the play-by-play voice for the then Oakland and now Las Vegas Raiders uh, preseason TV broadcast, which is super cool. In 2017, Beth began doing play-by-play announcing for NFL games. She was an announcer for Monday Night Football, and this made her the only the second female play-by-play announcer in an NFL regular game season history after our, our girl, Gail Sirens, did it in 1987. Wow, 30 years later. Yeah, 30. Is that crazy? It's like they do this really cool thing and then they just wait 30 yeah. years to, to do it again, which is ridiculous. But she also became the first female play-by-play announcer for the NFL on CBS specifically. But our next lady... Aaron Andrews began as a freelance reporter for Fox Sports in 2000. And then four years later, she went to ESPN and stayed there until 2012, where she moved back to Fox Sports, I believe. She was a co-host of College Game Day on ESPN, and she co-hosted Dancing with the Stars and is a sideline reporter for Fox NFL. She is also sometimes a contributor for Good Morning America on ABC, but she is one of those women who people who are up and coming in sports journalism will sometimes be described as the next Erin Andrews. Like, you know, you've reached a certain amount of notoriety and just recognized fame and talent when people are like, oh, is she going to be the next Aaron Andrews? Aaron Andrews is a yeah. beast. She's been in the, yeah, I remember her like growing up. I remember watching her on ESPN, which is really cool to see someone kind of like me, a fellow woman doing, you know, sports on ESPN. She's a hero for sure. Another woman that we would like to highlight is Sam Ponder um, or Sam Steele. I know her as Sam yeah. Steele, but I love that name. Sam Steele. Steele. Steele's a good last name. Steel is, yeah, it is a good, with an E at the mm-hmm. end, too, so it's, it has a little bit yeah. of flair. She's currently the host of Sunday NFL Countdown on ESPN. She was a reporter and host for ESPN College Football and a basketball sideline reporter, so she replaced Aaron Andrews on College Game Day, and she has been the regular sideline reporter for, or she was a regular sideline reporter for ESPN's Thursday Night College Football from 2012 to 2014 and she's in a lot mm-hmm. too she's on a lot of espn she does get up in the morning sometimes she has a wealth of college football mm-hmm. and football knowledge that she definitely pulls on so and the last lady that we pulled up and this is by no means an exhaustive list there are lots of women set in the stage and trailblazing is Laura Gentile. So she is the vice president of ESPNW, which is the branch of the network fully dedicated to female athletes and fans. And she built the ESPNW brand from the ground up. She was a former all-American field hockey player at Duke. And she apparently asked the question, if a women's sports were everything that we believe it can be, what would it look like? And then tried to answer that question with her work every day through ESPNW. I love ESPNW and think they do a great job. Mm -hmm. And I also love that quote of just, if women's sports were everything that we believe and know that it could be, what does it look like? 
it's an open-ended question and it really makes you think about how far we can go. It's like not setting a ceiling. Exactly. Um, and I think that's kind of what this yeah. new team, this new NWSL team in LA is doing is they're saying we don't have to follow traditional sports media and have a single owner. You know, it can look like this. It can look different. And I, I really like that. And nobody ever stops and thinks like, well, what can we do mm-hmm. different? And I feel like that team specifically mm-hmm is questioning all the mm-hmm. norms and saying, well, what can we do different to market mm-hmm. this team to make it, you know, consumable, mm-hmm. uh, consumable product for people to yeah. go watch. Yeah, so. exactly. So I think it is pretty incredible that these women that we've mentioned and many others have paved the way for others to pursue a career covering sports. I thought about it at one point. I was like, I want to be a sports broadcaster. That's what I want to do. I ended up falling in love with environmental engineering but similar. still, it's cool to be similar able to. Path. Sim- yeah, yeah, really similar. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to list some of my favorite up and comers in the, I guess, sports mm-hmm. media world. So that list includes Katie Nolan. So yeah. she's the host of a TV show on ESPN called Always Late with Katie Nolan. And then also a podcast called Sports with a Question Mark that I listen to religiously would definitely 10 out of 10 recommend. They never even talk about sports. Is so well, obviously, right now it's kind of difficult, yeah. but even in normal times, like they don't talk about you're not going to get the X's and O's mm-hmm. from them, but they kind of discuss either some of the more challenging aspects of it, whether it be like justice mm-hmm. or you know, women in sports issues or whatever it might be. But really enjoy her and her crew. Mina Kimes, she's the host of this new ESPN Daily podcast, and they cover everything mm-hmm. under the sun when it comes mm-hmm. to sports. And then she's also going to be a full-time NFL analyst on NFL Live starting the season, which is unique because usually a woman will like host a show, yeah. quote unquote, which means that they don't really give a ton of input, but just let the men take over, I guess, and yell at each other. <laughs> so it's cool that she's actually going to be giving that yeah. input um, and we'll be having those debates with former mm-hmm. players and other NFL analysts at ESPN. Sarah Spain, she's a radio host of Spain and Company on ESPN. She also appeared, all these people, the three previ- previous people especially, appear on ESPN shows such as Around the Horn, Dan Levitard and Sue Got Show, radio show, which is really cool. Those are three lovely ladies that I follow, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. everything. They definitely bring you the, the most news. Sarah Spain's kind of more basketball is her forte. Another lady is Taylor Rooks. So she covers NBA for Bleacher Report, and she has some hilarious content out on Ooh. Twitter. Malika Andrews, she covers the NBA for ESPN, and more specifically the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets, but... Now that they're in a bubble, she's kind of like the sole person who's Mm -hmm. in there kind of out on the court interviewing players and things. So this is a very short list among many others. And kind of like what we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. on a sort of separate note, as women's sports expand, soccer, basketball, tennis, etc., golf, and gain coverage, I'm hoping that this will lead to more women athletes pursuing sports journalism as a post-career kind Mm -hmm. of... I don't know, reinventing themselves because a lot of women are very personable mm-hmm. and they they understand what's going on, especially when they've played. Yeah, so yeah. that would just be really cool because that's what a lot of men in the mm-hmm. industry do. But that being said, it's important to note that just because you didn't play a sport doesn't mean that you can't cover exactly. it, which is like the laziest ass, sorry mm-hmm. ass excuse that I hear from a bunch of sexist men or see from a bunch of sexist men on 
Twitter or whatever, mm-hmm. that they just discount women who talk about football or baseball instead of actually like coming up with a counter argument. Cause everybody has their own opinions yeah. on these things. You can't predict what's going to happen in sports ever, but to just discount it because it's coming from a, woman. you know, a woman's mouth is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's unbelievably frustrating to me. And I'm not even on the receiving yeah. end of it. So it just kind of adds respect and garners mm-hmm. respect from all these lovely women mm-hmm. who do their jobs and still have some form of tolerance for comments like that, which I'm sure that they see on Twitter or Instagram or what have or you. Or from so, players. Like, um, I don't remember. Or from players, yeah, yes. I, remember, I don't remember who, who the journalist was, but I know there was a female journalist who like asked Cam Newton a Oh my god! I was about to ask you about Cam Newton. I was like, "Do you yes, remember the Cam Newton yes, thing?" Because this was ugh, so horrible. Ask Cam Newton a question after in like some post game interview, and he like starts laughing and is like, "Oh, it's weird hearing a woman ask questions about football. Something derogatory, like as if you understand something." Just oh, it was a question about a very specific package, like a defensive package, and how he reads it, like nickel dime or whatever. And it was a straightforward question that needed a straightforward answer, and then he goes and. It's just kind of misogynistic with the reply, which it might not seem like a big deal if you go and watch the clip, but just knowing, like, coming from Cam Newton himself, who has, again, this platform Mm -hmm. that he's supposed to use to, like, better the world and to treat a woman like that is just disrespectful. And it's, like, it's in your place of work. That's her place of work. That's in front of all of her peers, in front of all of her colleagues. Like, it's extremely embarrassing and upsetting. Yeah, and it, there's just no more room yeah. for that. And I think athletes are starting to understand mm-hmm. that more and more every single day, which hopefully that will kind of trickle down to the average Joe watching at exactly. home. That's all you can hope. The perspective just needs to mm-hmm. change when it comes to, to women covering mm-hmm. sports, definitely. So that's really frustrating. But if you want to laugh your socks off, I would definitely, I mean, this is so funny. I would definitely recommend a clip from the show Always Late with Katie Nolan called if you just Google this, the secret society of women in sports media. We can also throw it up on the webpage. And there's also a follow-up called Inside the Exclusive Clubhouse for Women Sports Media. And it just pokes fun at everything that we were just getting frustrated about. And they handle it with such grace. They they use just wit and satire throughout both clips. They're probably like five minutes and four minutes, respectively. Pretty short on how they kind of cope or... Mm-hmm. Or make fun of being a woman in such a male-dominated field. Yeah, it cracked me up. And kind of on a similar note, so one thing that we are thinking of doing is to include a list on our website of the Twitters and Instagrams and shows and podcasts that are all run by these women and others. Because while there is a real lack of women in sports journalism as a whole. There are a lot of people who are making a lot of strides and there are a lot of non-traditional media places like podcasts and newsletters that are making it possible for women to have more of a say, Voices. more of a voice. Sports has always been a platform for change. Yep. Dating back probably centuries. Mm-hmm. So as it as it changes in sports, it will probably change in real life. And that's all that we can hope for. Exactly. So I think that's it for our show today. Check out our website, historyofthesportsbroad.com, where we're going to have fun info about this past episode, but also the real meat and potatoes links to these women's podcasts and Twitters and Instagrams. So you can get some good female provided sports content. 
Keep a lookout for some of our next episodes. We got basketball, the pipeline. I'm thinking we do tennis after basketball, kind of align yeah. it with the, uh, you, isn't the U.S. Open coming up soon? U.S. Open. Yeah. Simple, knock on yeah. wood. We'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> From our team at History of the Sports Bra, we want to wish you a good night. And play hard. <laughs>